hurt you. The bow weevils don't hurt you, but but still, it's kind of funky to eat. <laughs> what do you What do you I think? I remember my aunt. Oh goddamn! What's this in here? Look, like you got like you got like worms in here or something. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, huh? I said, oh my god! The name uh, politics as AF as a sh for my show. What do you think of that? Politics of what? AF. Hey, our water bill is fucking higher than the goddamn electric bill. It was two forty five last month. Wow. Electricity bill is one hundred sixty bucks. Nothing. And 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 the, and the electricity bill down there for him was forty bucks. One hundred sixty up here with us. Uh, forty down there for forty five for him. Oh, forty eight or something like that. Our fucking water bill two forty five. How is that possible? I don't fucking know. And I checked the meter. It's it's got to be the use up here from this stuff right here. It has to be. It has to be. Oh. There's no other explanation for it. It's a lot though. It's like. Oh. Is it possibly a leak? No. I checked the meter. Okay. I checked the meter. You know, I mean, it's just it's just. Huh. You know what that is? We use twenty thousand gallons of water, man. And I and I said, well, that's a pool. A pool is only thirty thousand gallons. Okay. A fucking big giant fucking pool is 30,000 gallons. So we drink about three quarters of the fucking pool every month. So we <laughs> use about that much. That's what we're using. Huh. But it's all right. I mean, I guess it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and you, last year, Ooh. same number. You, you, you've been paying. You just never paid your bills because you always had access to pay it for you, right? When you got, when it got oh, large. Oh, yeah, I got a subsidy. Yeah, and That's so you right. never really worried about it. You just mm -hmm. let it build up till it was ready to fucking fall, and then they paid it. So you never really had to worry about it. But, I'm, I mean, I, I watch them now. I got it set up on, on, uh, on, on, you know, prepaying and all that shit, and I just... I just don't like, you know, you don't even think about shit like that no more. It's just like, ah, oh, it's all done. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I yeah, was going to make freeze, sure, you know, it's in there, but. Yeah, it frees my, my time. And, yeah, um, we're, uh, we're. Yeah. So, yeah, the orders are going ding. I hear, it, uh, uh, we're getting right. orders are coming in. Ding, ding, <laughs> ding, ding. And, and I don't touch it. It's weird because it says, <laughs> you've got, you've got 10 orders. Uh, pay for them now and ship them. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> And I just wait, and I'm like, I watch him, and it goes, pending. It goes, it goes, then it goes, ordered, and then it goes, shipped, and I'm like, yeah. And then it goes, <laughs> and then it goes paid, uh, delivered, and then paid. And my yeah. number, I put my you number in there so to, I know when the delivery. You don't even have to refresh your. You don't put their number in there because you don't want them to know the delivery's coming. Because a delivery could be from a different supplier, so you don't put your, their number in there. That's what they tell you. You put your number or a fake number in there, so I got a phone call today, you know, like, like, uh, your package is on the way. I'm like, that's eh, not my package, but I know who it is. And then it got delivered, and then that way I know that they're delivered. Nobody can say, hey, it never got delivered. I go, I got the fucking receipt right here. Uh, uh, the art of drop shipping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's big. It's because the, the market's so vast, it's an untapped market realistically that that can be, it's going to be, it's going to be very, very lucrative for us. It's going to become... It's going to become our everything. I mean, it really is. Yeah, it's going to before, be rad. Yeah, but before before crypto even <gasps> comes in. How much do you think uh, like a day will be Well, making? I mean, I, I'm thinking that we could start making 20000 a month within the next couple months. Nice. 20000 a month. Yeah, awesome. I'm coming through. That's all you just could. Yeah, that's what we want to hear, right? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking within four months, 20K a month. 
if the if 15 at least um, it just depends on how far I ramp it up when I'm going I'm going we're going to Australia we're going to the UK I'm gonna open up eBay and and Amazon we're gonna open up eBay we're gonna open up all the portals we possibly can as the money's coming in mm -hmm. I'm gonna open up every single portal every single drop shipping company that is out there awesome. to do it so that every every medium's covered in it's just one at a time it's setting up one at a time and now I'm getting better. I've already set up. I've set up eBay. Now I'm setting up Facebook Marketplace. Then I'm going to go Facebook. There's two. There's two Facebooks. There's Facebook Marketplace, and then there's Facebook uh, for sale, of uh, uh, market store or something like that. Marketplace, and then there's Facebook Shop. That's it. Facebook Shopping, and then and that's uh, that goes and then and then go to Australia, open up eBay there and an Amazon there, and then go to UK, same thing, and eBay, and Amazon, and a, uh, and a AliExpress. Um, AliExpress is really difficult because AliExpress has some long lead times, which people don't. They want their fucking shit now. They don't want it next month. Yeah. They're not willing to wait for AliExpress. And the problem is... Yeah, they want to be pleasantly surprised if, something that shows on the fucking doorstep Here's where you fucked morning. it up. Yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't want to wait that. They don't want to wait 45 days, but you get it really cheap. Yeah, they're, they're, so so yeah. what it is too is they want cheap and immediately. AliExpress has <laughs> things that they say ship immediately, so you have to watch their site. Mm -hmm. Which what you do is you set up an automation that mm -hmm. says when AliExpress puts a one day or two day shipping on there, mm -hmm. you choose all those items. You automate everything that you do. Everything that I'm doing now becomes automated. So I'm like I'm setting up right now one month, two months. It, 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 you know, the guy says it takes a couple months to get all the automations together. Once you get the automations together, it's really, it's starting to, I was just frustrated. I was frustrated. I wrote the, you know, the support. I'm like, I need your fucking help. I'm not trying to fuck this up. I mean, I need, you know, but they don't have, they don't have phone support because guess what? It's automated. <laughs> For them too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> fucking automated, man. That's the way, that's the way to go. Automation to the world. Automated to the world. I'm fucking down. What? I said that's a good slogan. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. And then Pi's gonna come in, and then I'm going down to the IRS, and I'm gonna drop a hundred grand on their fucking desk. Prepay them. Down in my life. And then, then we'll go down to the IRS and drop a hundred grand on their desk. <laughs> right? Hundred racks. Baby. There you go. Hundred grand man. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think after so I like, get this ramped up to uh, I'm feeling like I'm feeling like I'm feeling like twenty thousand is a good number to, to hit and it's I'm looking at some of these dudes that, that they're doing it and, and uh, their their uh, their accounts uh, look like this seventy five thousand uh, last thirty one days of sales seventy five thousand and these guys have multiple stores okay they have uh you know five or six stores they don't even have them all they just got they just they just fine-tuned it so you can fine-tune it with just a few stores and having 
multiple products. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go for every single store, but I'm I'm going until it until it until it's fucking exploding. You know what I mean? Until it's like I all I want to hear is ching 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 ching. ching. I want to hear nonstop all day long, all day, all and day all night. All when the sun night, rises in fucking long. Japan, all I want to hear is all night, ching, ching. all night, yeah. all night long, all night. Yeah, first. <laughs> I'm like fucking, I, I mean, I, I can't wait to wake up and get on the computer. I barely sleep. <laughs> it's like, I feel like I, I'm not doing anything else but that. Like, I'm like, I'm so, I'm so focused on it that I, I like, I'm like, oh man, I feel like, whoa, I feel like I, I, I'm so excited to just wake up and just get on the computer immediately and, and start to start my day with it. And then, you know, just, just like picking out the items and learning too, like. I'm trying to fucking learn the whole the whole system of automation. And oh, that's... here's here's a here's something I wonder if you if you have yet. Um, you know those. Okay, when you're camping and you it, it's basically a hammock that's a tent. It's a, a hammock. hammock what? It's a hammock that's a tent. It's it's it's, it's uh, you know. Maybe. They got them. They go on top of trucks now. They go on top of the trucks. So when you're out, when you're out, it, it opens up. A tent opens up. It uses the cab of your truck as the bed, and then the, the and then the bed as the hammock. Uh-huh. Whole tent that opens up on your truck. So you park right on top of it. On top of your truck, uh-huh. and you and so the, the here's your bed, uh-huh. and right out here is where a hammock lays in the dip of your in the or here's your your cab. And then you're, then the hammock lays in the bed of your oh, truck. Right. Oh, 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 except there's no, um, hook. There's and a tent around it. What's it called? Like, trailer thing on the cab, whatever? No. There's no cab not, on it, Not no. a cab, uh, is it a cab? You stand up in that part. You can stand up in your bed and get into a hammock like this, and then you can close yourself in. It's got a thing, you know, like all over it. The whole, the whole thing's covered. Or you is can it open like it up. Is a tent above you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meshing. Or you can you can uh, you can you can uh, uh, open it up. Tent or a well, mesh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, but it, it fits over the yeah, that'd over, be neat. The, over the so you use the cab. You see above you as your as your bed. You see above you where you sleep or whatever. You you have your you know your like your kitchen or you want whatever it is and you sleep it. You can sleep in the hammock and have it so you stand up inside of it. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. What do you have those yet? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, actually we do, we do, we got some, <laughs> no some of those, uh, that's why I was saying it, because I did see it, um, there's, there's, why don't you look on there, and just look at the product, why don't you go in there, and just, uh, uh you want me, we want me to open it up for you, on that computer right there? No. Okay, <laughs> you don't want to see it. No, yeah. um, it's like, you know, look nighttime, I'm, 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 I don't want to look at a computer anymore today. Right, 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 I got you. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I do. Oh yeah, I'll let you binge on that. Ah, fucking! I can't. What about my MIDI? MIDI? Huh? I'm, I'm working about... on it still. I'm still. I got it. I got. Uh, I just stopped for a minute, but I'm gonna start working on it again. I'm going back to it. I, I'm in my like third lesson. Not that easy. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, it's not well, that easy. I think I'll pick it up faster than you. I think you might have a problem with it. <laughs> it's very difficult. Let me tell you this. I say this. I'm musically inclined, and and no, I've I, I've gone through many many lessons. Actually, I watched many many lessons on the MIDI. Um, on YouTube, I've watched many lessons uh, of yeah. how to use it. But let me let me just say this. Like, I 
I, I, I realize it's, 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 it's an instrument. It's every instrument that exists, including voice, and including to changing of voices, to changing of pitches, to changing of tempos. Um, the, the entire Does it do auto-tune? Huh? Does it do, like, auto-tune? It does everything. It, right. it's, it's a fucking... It, well, it doesn't do your voice. Well, yeah, you can record, but you have to have... Okay, so that one little recording machine you bought, it was broken. Uh, so I looked online, and it's a common thing that when they go... Recording ha, machine? I got it. What recording got machine? It. The ha-ha-ha, the one that laughs, and you can change your voice on it. So the battery was bad in it, oh. but I'm, I'm fixing it. I took oh, it the apart. one... The other one that you brought me, right? The little yeah. one. With the, with, the, with that laughs. It does the laughs, and you can, you know, make it like oh, you have yeah, an audience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Changes your voice. Oh, like the one that, like it's you said, order that, order that, V8. you know, and so I did, I, you know, just to check it out. Yeah. Well, it's, that a, one? it's fucked up. Yeah. And it's a common problem. Oh. So, so I, I looked online and it's a defect in them and the battery oh, went shit. bad in them. Well. Yeah. It wouldn't, wouldn't charge, wouldn't do anything. So I took it mm-hmm. apart. I fixed it. I got it to where it comes on. It's, it works, but there's no battery for it. So I'm going to make it so it's a straight plug in because usually they're just your battery. You can take them anywhere you want, like their battery pack. But it's uh, this one's gonna be charged and have to run all the time. You know, well, you just plug it in, do the same thing. So, uh, yeah, the battery was. Garbage. Check this out. Look, look, look. I gave him a, I gave him a new suit before I laminate him. Oh, you using that <laughs> self laminator I gave you? Yeah, I'm gonna try that. What's it say to do it? Right How now. Say to do it. Don't you just you stick just, it on there. Yeah, right. Right. That's what I thought. That's correct. <laughs> You gotta use two pieces of tape to get that thing, or no, it's got the tape on it already for you. Yeah, so it's a little it? sticky. That's not sticky yeah. yet. Yeah, it is. It so is. It's fucking sticky, yeah. Dude. Mm-hmm. It's stickier. You see the, see the strip, the white strip? You take that strip off. And there's, there's another piece on the back of that. Right. Um, no, it's fine. Is it that white strip? What's that white strip for then? Take that white strip and peel it apart. This is, I'm so I can hold on to it. Is it? That's what I thought it was for. That's what, uh, oh, shit. See, it's not sticking or it would have stuck right now. No, it's, it's, there's a feather involved here. This it's is one of Fezzi's feathers. Okay. I'm going to Stick that on there at the same time. Oh, then you heat it up from there. That's what it is. You heat it uh, up. Really? Put heat to it. Oh, yeah. oh, man. Yeah, you just hit a, uh, You just take a blow dryer. Oh. You have a blow dryer. Yeah. Yeah, just take a blow dryer to it. But mm. what I'm telling you is that thing peels apart, I think. That white thing. See if it, see if it opens yeah, up. Yeah, it takes it. It's, uh... Does those separate? Does that white thing separate? Yeah, it comes off from here. Uh-huh. Now, now does, does it pull something else off with it? Pulls the whole back mm. off with it, doesn't it? Huh? If you take that piece of tape, where does that go to? Let me see this thing. Let me see it. Let me see. See this suit. There's another one on there. Oh, so it was. It was stuck to this white paper, then, right? That's what it was. I think it's just like a sheet that with the sticky, oh, here. Here it is. sticky back, which is awesome. That's, you think it was what? I thought it was. That's what it says. Like you use a, you use a. Yeah, this is it right here, man. Dryer. This is it right here. This is your sheet right here. Okay, well, that's, that's not it. Take that off. 
Yeah, you don't need no blow dryer. This is gonna fucking stick to the motherfucker. Give me that tape that's on there. That piece of tape at the top. Did I have that? Oh. Thank you. You may take this tape right here, right? You put it on this side right here. That's a piece of the. That's a piece that we need tape. I tell you. I tell you. You got some little masking tape or some yeah. tape tape. Watch this. Watch this, man. Yavol. And spy polizai. Watch this. Ready? So you take this. Look at me. Check it out. Look. Take this tape. You put it right here. You take the other piece of tape. You put it right here. Uh -huh. And you go like this. Wrong side, I'm pulling the wrong side like a big dummy. Dummy. Come on, dummy. Yeah, I think that's what that is. Hey man, band stop it. No, for. it's not. It's not. I'm telling you. <laughs> God damn it. This right here goes. Okay, hold on. This comes off of here. No, that, that's. Uh, isn't that what this band is for? Is to help you, you know, take Check it off. Up. You know? Take, mm, yeah, I don't know. That didn't really work there. Did you cut that off or was that, that no. was on there? Sure. Oh, see a second here. Comes off that thing. It's on the back right there. It shows you right here. Look. Mm -hmm. okay. See that right there? Peels off. It even shows you right here. Peel oh. that out. How come? Why did you just grab your own piece there? <laughs> Remove this strip first. Yeah, see? Okay, so here it is. Yeah, you did, Look here. Look. Right. Check it out. Look. Uh huh. Oh, that is what you did, huh? Like that? Yeah. Okay. But I don't see the strip on this one. Because you took it off already. Well, there you go. I'll take one of these. <laughs> that you know what you need to put. How in much of these? Huh? How much is this pack? Uh, they're like five, ten bucks or something. Huh. Uh, your, your, where's your certificate at? Over there. That's what we need to put in there. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Here, take I'll do it. Take it we'll easy, it. man. I'll do it later. Shit. So you say, take it easy, man. <laughs> take it easy, bro. Pull it in China shop. Oh, God damn. That's what my mom used to say. <laughs> Boom in China shop. The fuck? <laughs> the fuck? Welcome back. So we're gonna get back to. Okay, this this is a pretty incredible interview. This guy reminds me of myself. Mm. Oh wow. So there's one that's um, um, another one. Breaking deranged Trump will unleash MAGA violence as indictment looms. A conversation with Hugo Lowell. I follow him on Twitter. <laughs> mm. 
Where's the one about? Mm. Where's the one about, um, Jank, um, Olgar? Is that how you pronounce it? That's what I was listening to. Mm -hmm. oh. Let's just listen to this one. By the way, I'm having a fried uh, brie sandwich. So shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Arizona in two stand and Kapiwati Pakoyaki Tribal Radio on your radio one hundred point three on your radio dial. This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa podcast. So often, right here on this show, on normal nights, we talk about how divided and angry this country is. But not in times of crisis, not in nights like this. When unthinkable tragedy strikes and nothing seems fair, on this show, we like to follow the advice of the great Fred Rogers and look for the helpers. As promised, Hurricane Ian picked up and tossed huge swaths of Florida and South Carolina this week, bringing floods, power outages, and basic devastation everywhere it landed. Over the course of several surreal days, we saw whole communities crushed by a deadly combination of tropical winds, torrential rains, and heavy surf. The moment the storm receded, rescue operations began, recovery crews moved in, and worked around the clock to shore up survivors and identify victims. What about Puerto Rico? Mother Nature. But I literally watched my house disappear with everything in it. Biden has bent over backward to help the beleaguered state of Florida, mm. declaring a state of emergency in some counties and distributing federal funds meant to help people immediately. We have a need to work together, DeSantis said in a briefing late Thursday, taking a far more conciliatory tone toward an administration he bitterly criticized just days earlier. I mean, as you say, Tucker, we live in a very politicized time, but you know, when people are fighting for their lives... DeSantis is also glad handling FEMA now that they've approved all his requests for aid. He's currently traveling around with the agency's director, checking out the destruction and flexing like he's Chuck Norris after a fight. But this conciliatory change of heart is only temporary. On a good day, DeSantis picks on immigrants and trans kids. Then, when disaster strikes, he adopts the assured tone of a unifier. I don't think so, pal. This week, he gave a little shout-out to the Biden administration and thanked them for their help. 
but that's after two solid years of trashing them. He uh, ran as being a unifier, and he's basically saying to the vast majority of the country that disapproves of him uh, that they're effectively a threat to the republic. And of course, he'll gladly accept the type of federal disaster aid and assistance he rejected as wasteful when he was a member of Congress. Because now he needs it. If he screws up the response to this disaster, if he doesn't provide Florida with some real relief, he can kiss his presidential prospects goodbye and with luck lose the governorship to Charlie Chris as well. So look, I want nothing more than to see Floridians completely supported in their hour of need. But I'd also like to see duplicitous jackasses like Ron DeSantis voted out in November. So I'm ready for this fight. I look forward to the campaign ahead, and I look forward to protecting a woman's right to choose. And I've already committed, Stephanie, in this race. On the first day of the Christ administration, I will sign an executive order protecting a woman's right to choose statewide. Since we're already on disaster, I've been following developments overseas in Ukraine, the Baltic Sea, and Russia. And seriously, folks, it's not good news. Apparently, Moscow and Fox News are working together to sell the American public on the idea that Biden and his administration are eco-terrorists. Friday, without any evidence, Russian President Vladimir Putin accused the United States and our allies of blowing up the undersea Nord Stream natural gas pipelines that connect Russia and Germany. As we reported earlier this week, Tucker Carlson made the same claims which the State Department is denying. It seems, you know, from most of the commentators I'm hearing, that there's basically only one country that would benefit from that, and that would be Russia. Because it's a way of punishing, severely punishing Europe without taking responsibility for it and throwing Europe into a crisis and this blaming winter America when they literally can't heat their homes. But Blame the America. unexplained explosions that ruptured the two pipelines in the Baltic Sea spewed huge amounts of methane gas into the atmosphere, or, as one eco-scientist put it, reckless release of greenhouse gas emissions that, if deliberate, amounts to an environmental crime. This is the sort of accident that makes fragile fossil fuel infrastructure a ticking time bomb. But the crisis has also sent European nations scrambling to find alternate sources of fuel before winter sets in. I know this is hard for you, but winter is coming. We know what's coming with it. We can't face it alone. And now, on top of the claim that the United States sabotaged his pipeline, Putin is celebrating the annexation of four Ukrainian regions near the Baltic that were invaded by Russian forces. On Thursday, Putin held a fake referendum meant to make it all look normal. But it isn't normal. Friday, Secretary of State Antony Blinken countered with a threat, saying that the United States will work with the UN to hold Russia accountable. Putin's actions are a sign he's struggling. The United States is never going to recognize this. And quite frankly, the world's not going to recognize it either. He can't seize his neighbor's territory and get away with it. It's as simple as that. America's well, if I were Biden, I'd call for the Hague, RCC, to indict him as a war criminal. In the meantime, Constance the UN has called on member states not to 
recognize any altered status of Ukraine and compel Russia to withdraw its troops. Ukraine is also calling on the world to shut Russia down. And who could blame them? But all of this dangerous escalation of tensions won't just affect the region, but the world. What it all added up to, I can't say. But let's pray that asshole Putin hasn't started the next world war. All right, let's go. You've got to promise to come back to me, Steve. I promise. I'll be back. You gotta wonder, how is it possible for anyone to still believe that the 2020 election was stolen? Especially when you're part of the educated elite and married to a Supreme Court justice. I mean, how the fuck is that possible that you still believe in the big lie? I guess we'll have to ask Jeannie Thomas how she does it. How she remains so willfully ignorant in the face of so many facts to the contrary. But according to her testimony to the January 6th committee this week, nothing has changed her mind. I don't want any she's trouble. She's expecting she's going to get pardoned. As the Yoko Ono of the Supreme Court, very seriously. All I want is a tidal wave with biblical vengeance to wash away the Biden crime family all the way to Gitwell, and then we release the crowd. Betty Thompson, chair of the committee, told reporters after the almost five-hour private interview with Thomas that she held fast to her claim that massive voter fraud put Joe Biden in the White House. In an opening statement to the committee obtained by the New York Times, Thomas insisted that she and her husband abided by ironclad rule never to discuss cases coming before him. It is laughable oh, for shit. anyone who knows my husband to think I could influence his jurisprudence. But her words should not let her husband off the hook. Justice Thomas has consistently refused to recuse himself from insurrection cases, despite his wife being an insurrectionist. His credibility is shot, not that he ever had any as far as I'm concerned. The same Jimmy Thomas that helped raise money and pay for buses to come on January 6th. And you actually want me to believe that... Clarence did not know what his wife was doing. You've got to be outside your damn mind. So to recap, Jeannie Thomas pressured lawmakers in Arizona and Wisconsin to block the certification of Biden's win. She wrote a series of conspiracy-inspired texts to Mark Meadows on the 6th, claiming, amongst other things, that their political enemies should be rounded up and sent to Gitmo. And she's still running around the country trying to recruit crazies to subvert the next election. No, she wasn't interested in being forthcoming, in being candid. And, you know, I think it actually turned out worse than perhaps we had expected because in part she was kind of a shill for her husband. She was a plaque mm -hmm. saying things that we know we'll never hear from Justice Thomas because he's not going to be asked to testify. So she got to say whatever she wanted about how we never discuss cases and we really didn't discuss election fraud or, you know, and if people believe that, well, then there are any number of bridges for sale. Cheney's lawyer, however, said her election efforts were minimal and mainstream. Poor girl was just out looking for fraud. Find a mirror, Jeannie, but quick question here. 
Why do you think Judge Thomas forgot to report $700,000 of income paid to Jeannie by the Heritage Foundation? Why? Because the Heritage Foundation is buying his influence by paying off his wife. He should resign, but he won't. He hates the American people too much to quit. We're all called by duty and conscience to confront extremists who put their own pursuit of power above all else. Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans. We must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving American democracy. So here's an update. It sickens me to report that Judge Eileen Cannon, Trump's starry-eyed fangirl, has once again proven herself to be completely and utterly fucking incompetent. Thursday, she sided with the Trump team and said that, in fact, they do not have to comply with an order from Special Master Raymond Deary. The order simply asked for proof that the documents seized from Mar-a-Lardo were somehow tampered with lied about or planted by the FBI. Once again, I will remind my listeners that the only reason a special master was assigned to the case was because Trump demanded it. And the result is that Trump is off the hook. I mean, for now, anyway, the DOJ will probably appeal. Maybe your sister cares what you believe. Maybe your mother cares how you feel. Maybe your sister cares how you feel. Feel. The law doesn't give a rat's ass how you feel. But unlike Cannon, Deary's not impressed with the Trump team's courtroom theatrics and keeps demanding real evidence. Why? Because evidence is what you base a case on when you're not corrupt, not conspiracy theories, and certainly not lies meant to stall things to a snail's pace. But hey, Judge Cannon, if you're listening, wake up. Lifetime appointment or not, Donald's going down, and he's taking you with him. I'm the kind of nigga little homies wanna be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the streetlight. And now for the main event. Today we welcome back to our show the groundbreaking congressional reporter Hugo Lowell. Lowell reports on Washington politics for The Guardian and has broken a number of high-profile stories about the January 6th committee's investigation, including several scoops pertaining to Mark Meadows, the war room at the Willard Hotel, and insider facts such as Trump ordering his advisors not to comply with January 6th committee subpoenas. Lowell regularly appears as a political analyst on MSNBC, and he's often a guest on Morning Joe, The Beat with Ari Melber, Velshi, and All In with Chris Hayes. His reporting has been cited in the Washington Post, Bloomberg, and the New York Times, to name just a few. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Hugo, regarding the special master on the Mar-a-Lago case, Judge Deary... Several tweets yesterday about Trump's lawyers saying the timeline for reviewing the documents is unrealistic. And then you attach the letter James Trusty delivered to Deary. Can you do me a favor and explain to my listeners what's going on with Trump and his lawyers? Yeah, so his lawyers are always uh, busy doing some infighting uh, and they're always disagreeing amongst each other. But uh, in the latest filing uh, yesterday night, um, they effectively said, look, we have 
all five vendors come back to us and say they don't want to work with us uh, with respect to digitizing the documents seized from Mar-a-Lago uh, that we want to put before the special master review for potential privilege. Um, but one thing that really stood out to me, Michael, and then see what you think, was the fact that they conceded or they admitted in the in their filing that it was 11,000 documents, not 11,000 pages. And actually, the number of pages of documents seized from Mar-a-Lago is actually 200,000. Um, and I don't think actually that was something that they necessarily wanted to make public because the fact that Trump had 200,000 pages that were seized from Mar-a-Lago, I mean, this is not something that, you know, was just casually lying around. This wasn't a small oversight. This really seems to speak to potential obstruction or potentially hiding documents at Mar-a-Lago, even more so than we might have previously thought. Well, 200,000 documents. I mean, they only walked out. Originally, I think it was like 13 boxes, and then during the raid, another 12 boxes. I mean, that seems like a lot. Um, I, I mean, does that number even make sense? 200,000, you know, pages of documents? Were these all on paper, or were these on hard drives, computers? I mean, because Trump doesn't have any of that. Was it on other people's cell phones? Yeah, I mean, it's not clear. I mean, all we know is what Trump uh, has admitted in in filings, and it doesn't seem like they wanted to admit this. I mean, they were they basically raised the two hundred thousand number kind of begrudgingly uh, because they were trying to argue that well, you know, the vendors didn't want to work with us because there were two hundred thousand documents here, and they didn't think of, they claimed that the. Uh, the vendors thought the timeline to digitize these records was unrealistic. Although the, the DOJ has since come back and said, well, actually, we don't think it's unrealistic at all. And we're pretty confident, and they told the judge this, we're pretty confident that we can find a vendor in a day. So <laughs> it's not quite clear the circumstances surrounding it, but the fact that the number of supposed pages of documents uh, and documents seized from Mar-a-Lago has jumped to that extent, I think, is uh, really interesting. It's really not a big number, and I'm speaking from personal experience. When they came and they raided my hotel, my home, and then the law office, they took multiple, multiple cell phones. They uh, mirrored my computer in the office. They took paper files and so on. My recollection is that there were close to 10 million documents, and I was given 45 days within which to complete the review. Now, McDermott, Will, and Emery set up an entire war room that was, I don't know, um, manned by about 10-plus people, and we managed to get it done in under the 45 days. How? Because I actually devoted myself to getting it done. I myself wanted to see what information was there. 200,000 is not a lot, and I'm going to tell you why. There are a couple of things that's going on here. First, they're going to claim things like um, attorney-client privilege, right, ACP. Well, that's easy. You ask Trump to put down the names of all of the attorneys that he was working with. And then you just check to see whether or not there are documents from those individuals. Now, the other, which will probably be a little bit more difficult, is the executive privilege claim. He doesn't get executive privilege over documents that are stolen. That's the frog. That's the uh, fraud crime exception rule, or the crime fraud exception rule. What he's doing doesn't make sense, and I don't understand what his lawyers are now trying to say here. It's just again, it 
doesn't make sense. He's just trying to do what I have been saying since day number one as part of the Trump playbook. Delay, delay, delay. Because every day that he delays, he thinks in his mind that he's winning. Yeah, and I should just clarify to say when I said, you know, I thought the jump in number from 11,000 to 200,000 was interesting. It's, it's interesting in terms of how much they actually poured out of Mar-a-Lago. And I agree with you that a vendor quite easily could work through 200,000 uh, pages. I mean, I, I don't know, have these lawyers never done sort of corporate litigation where they have to, you know, digitize all these records? So their kind of claims are kind of, uh, kind of bizarre. But I agree with you also on the fact that this comes down to what Trump intended from the start. Right. The whole notion of having a special master was because he thought, you know, this would this would be the perfect way to try and undercut the criminal investigation into him. And in some ways, I think and maybe you disagree, Michael, see what you think. I think he's actually um, screwed this up a little bit because the 11th Circuit has ruled that the DOJ would get access to 100 or so uh, classified documents or documents marked classified, and they could use that in their ongoing criminal investigation. So the most potent of the criminal charges, the willful retention of national defense information, that investigation is continuing. And what Trump's really quibbling over is these kind of 11,000 documents that probably amount to some sort of presidential record or federal record um, that isn't the most uh, important or the most significant criminal charge facing him. So in some ways, he's buying himself more time. But I also think it's uh, significant that the DOJ is moving forward with their most serious of uh, line of inquiry in their criminal investigation. You kind of um, answered the question that I wanted to follow that up with, which is, you know, because you're following these developments in the Mar-a-Lago, you know, Judge Deary special master drama very closely. I follow you, obviously, on your uh, on your Twitter account, uh, as well as your um, other social media platforms that you play on. If you'll do me the favor, let's just really, you know, let's dive deep into this one. How do you think that Judge Deary is handling the case so far? You know, and do you think that the 11th Circuit's carve-out of the classified document sort of makes the things that he's doing or saying the point largely moot? Here's a good question. I, you know, I'll start with Judge Deary. I was in Brooklyn for the status conference when uh, Trump's lawyers met with the DOJ and the special master when they were trying to figure out the timeline for this review. And I think at that point, Judge Deary was very clear that he would be a no-nonsense special master. And I think, you know, the Trump lawyers were a little bit aggrieved by this because, you know, they had hoped that they could try and manipulate the special master in the way that uh, perhaps they might have been able to manipulate to some degree Judge Cannon, right? They were they made all these assertions in court filings before Judge Cannon down in Florida saying, look, we need these documents. You know, it's a, we bring this Fourth Amendment claim. And we, I mean, it really wasn't. It was more of a Rule 41 motion. Um, but even then, it was bizarre because he hasn't been indicted, so it's not exactly clear what he wanted. He didn't, you know, he didn't even submit a, a request for an injunction. And so, um, you know, Judge Deary, the special master in New York, made it very clear that he wasn't going to be, you know, bandied about by these Trump lawyers. And he was like, look, for instance, if you're not going to give me evidence that certain documents are declassified, as Trump is actually claiming them to be, then I'm going to take the government side and I'm going to say that they are classified and that they don't need to be reviewed by you guys necessarily. And so I think that was just one of many examples that shows how Judge Deary is proceeding with this. You know, he wants to move ahead expeditiously and he wants to move ahead in a way that is not kind of 
playing through the Trump lawyers' arguments to try and delay this further. So, so I think, you know, those are really kind of interesting elements as to how Judge Jerry is proceeding with this review. Well, that's, that's also interesting, and you raised an interesting point, which is about the Trump legal team, or right now, the lack thereof, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, right now, for example, this new $3 million attorney, Chris Cries, um, in the Mar-a-Lago case, is already being sidelined. And there's dozens of reports, you know, um, about this specific topic that they claim that he's been sidelined. And everybody, of course, wants to know why. Now, if I had to make an educated guess based upon, obviously, my tenure, my more than a decade of working by this guy's side, he's asking him to do things that Chris Kyes already knows is improper, potentially illegal, the same way that he now threw Bob under the bus, the same way he threw Rudy Colludi Giuliani under the bus, the same way he threw me under the bus. He doesn't care if you lose your law license. He doesn't care about telling the truth. So I think that what's happened is Kyes probably told him, I can't do that, all right? That's not proper. That's a lie. That's going to get us all in big trouble. And so for the moment, don't forget, Kais was smart. He took the money up front, right, as opposed to Kaludi that thought he was making a quarter of a million dollars a day. Um, this is what I think is probably going on. What's your, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that's a smart take. I mean, um, certainly Chris Kais was in a difficult position, right? He was... Uh, co-leading this defense team in the special master case. And presumably at some point, uh, they had to go to Trump and say, look, the special master is asking us to do two things, which Judge Cannon, by the way, in the last hour or so has, has uh, since screwed up. But at the time, there, there certainly must have been a conversation about how Judge Deary was asking Trump to say definitively, under oath, firstly, did you actually declassify certain documents, supposedly even in your sleep, as you are claiming? And second of all, is it actually true, and will you attest to this under oath, that the FBI planted evidence, you planted uh, highly sensitive government documents at Mar-a-Lago, and they are manufacturing evidence against you? And to make those kinds of uh, assertions that Trump has been making under oath would have been a very different game. You know, Michael, you and I kind of talk all the time about how you have to tell the truth. You can't lie in court filings because that's really serious for these lawyers. And, you know, they would lose their law license if that, if that turned out to be what wasn't going on. And so I'm sure that Chris Kyes had to have that kind of conversation with Trump. And I'm sure that didn't please Trump. One thing I do know, though, also, is that this legal team has begun to fray at the edges. There is not really a coherent strategy. Uh, among the lawyers and there is more infighting on this legal team than kind of previous legal teams representing Trump and it might be because of high stakes it is but there is certainly now a divide certainly I'm told Jim Trustee and Lindsay Halligan are on one side Chris Kais was on another side Evan Corcoran was very quiet doing his own thing so you now have four lawyers who aren't really gelling together and one I think also has to wonder whether there was some sort of backstabbing going on. There was some Game of Thrones, some like Jim Trusty wanting to get rid of Chris Kyers. I've also heard that from my sources. Okay, you know, which the whole thing has just been a clusterfuck since the very <laughs> beginning, right? I mean, you know, if I was in that team, I'll tell you, and it's not the right way to do it, um, but what I'm certain Trump would have been saying is, this is what I want you guys to do. All right? 
as the orange-faced ass clown who doesn't care about <laughs> lawyers or their law degrees or what happens to them, what he would have or should have done had he not lost his mind after this raid would have been to shut the fuck up, right? Mm -hmm. And then later claim, right, if you think about it, that he didn't pack up the stuff. It was done for him. I don't know what was in those boxes, right? This is, now, we all know that that's a lie, especially considering... How much you want to bet Peter Navarro helped him pack? He's allowed to declassify stuff just by faking it. Back to the old Jedi mind trick of Donald, right? Everything was declassified. Remember what he did. First, I don't know about the papers. Then I do. Then I'm entitled to have them. Then I'm not entitled. Then if they, if I wasn't entitled because they're classified, I already declassified. Just ask everybody around me. They heard me say it. When everybody said, no, we never heard you say it, jerk off. Right? <laughs> then all of a sudden, it's like, well, I'm the president. I can just, I can just think it. I mean, these are the crazy things um, that... The guy is really, you know, trying to come up with. This is why I believe that there's so much infighting that's going on. You're right. There is no strategy. There's no strategy because every time that they probably come up with a strategy, Trump opens up his mouth and he says something that makes it more difficult uh -huh. within which to protect him. Now... Again, he could have taken the fifth in terms of whether he did or he didn't pack the boxes. You know, he could say whatever he wants on his truth social. He could say whatever he wants in the media. You just can't say it in court and you can't say it in a court filing. And definitively, the lawyers can't say it either on behalf of their client. Yeah, and, and look, I will say, you know, that Hannity interview that, that Trump did when he sat down and said, you know, I, I think I can declassify stuff in my sleep. I mean, that's just patently absurd. I <laughs> I mean, then we get into the realm of, well, if he's dreaming and he thinks of something in his dream, you know, is, is a certain document declassified? Well, I'm not so sure. Hugo, I don't think, Hugo, I don't think during that interview that he said while he was dreaming. What he said was, if I'm, I can think it and therefore it becomes declassified. Right, right, right. Even if I was just thinking it, that, you know, that means either while he's awake or while he's asleep. He could just think the declassification. Right, and, and that gets, it's, so, it's, it's so absurd in, in so many different ways that it kind of gives rise to, I mean, who knows, who knows what other ways, you know, you could well, potentially declassify something. I mean, it's, it's just so so much nonsense in that interview that I think, you know, the former U.S. attorneys that I spoke to afterwards, the former members of um, the, the, the counterintelligence and export section at Maine Justice, they were like, you know, this is all gold, gold, gold dust for potential prosecutors. I mean, we would all use this as evidence in a case um so you know that is obviously bad news and there is an element here i'm sure that every time he does open his mouth he upends whatever strategy they did have and you know when the trump lawyers were in court with the special master and the special master pulled them up on this claim that you know the fbi might have planted something um one of their responses were like look we can't really and we don't want to talk about what you're referring to because these are potential arguments we have to address if Trump gets indicted and we actually have to file a motion to dismiss or a Rule 41 motion. You know, these are potential defenses we might have to use if Trump actually gets charged and we don't want to telegraph that in advance. And I think that was a really significant moment that seemed to suggest how difficult a time that the Trump lawyers were having in trying to defend their client. Smart investing is more than just a numbers game. 
During our podcast on the trading desk, we totally sit down with the experts um, and dig into geopolitical, environmental, totally technological, and human factors. I'm the president, like, I'm the fucking lamb. <laughs> anyway, thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for over about 13,000 listens. And thanks for a billion followers and a gazillion subscribers and cross social media. These days I'm going as um, Tristad for the number AZ Mine Inspector on Instagram and um, on uh, YouTube. It's like Christopher Governor Podcast. Politics AF. In the in the backyard. And as the victim, now he's able to rile up his base. The FBI plant. If I tell you the number of people, and I'm not talking about uneducated, you know, um, individuals or stupid individuals. I'm talking about significant individuals who are highly successful, who believe that there's a possibility that Trump may be right. That the administration, that the Department of Justice is so determined to lock his ass up and his family's ass up and everybody that was close to him, that they're even willing to plant evidence in his, in his Mar-a-Lago office against him by planting top secret nuclear information this is a very dangerous thing to do you know whether you like the fbi or you don't whether or not you think that the doj has issues like i do my upcoming book i talk about it ad nauseum i talk about the weaponization of the justice department by donald trump and his acolytes to go after his critics hence the book called revenge that's not what's going on here but trump uses the paranoia that he knows exists out there as a means to rile up his base in hopes that they do exactly what others in his inner circle have said that they would do. That if they go after Trump, there will be a war. And let's just get back to the facts of the matter for a minute, right? Because, you know, the search of Mar-a-Lago was based on a court-approved search warrant. The FBI found probable cause. They made that clear to the judge in advance of the search, and the judge signed off on it. And the fact that the judge signed off on it, knowing full well that this was a search of the home of a former president, I'm sure the judge did not take that decision lightly. And so when you look at and when you look at the fact trail and how Trump at every turn stymied or tried to stop the Justice Department from regaining access to these documents, I mean, and, you know, the Justice Department has said this separately in court findings, you know, these are highly sensitive documents, Mark classified. There is no way in hell there could ever be an executive privilege claim or that these documents could become personal documents. You know, these are government documents through and through. The moment they're classified, they're a federal record. And so, uh, you know, that I think underpins how absurd 
all of Trump's arguments are and for him to claim that, you know, these, this, there was evidence being manufactured against him. Although you are right, you know, he does go out and makes this play to his supporters and it sticks. I mean, we think, based on some of the numbers and fundraising numbers that he's been posting, that August was one of the best months for him this year in terms of fundraising after that search happened. And certainly that's being reflected in the kind of spending that the Save America PAC is doing and very shortly he's what well, he's just opened or launched a new pack called MAGA Inc. that he's going to start funneling money through from the Save America PAC to support his endorsed candidates in congressional races. And they're floating around in money. This was a very, very good yeah, well, for them. And it all came off the back of Trump's kind of real uh, lies about the FBI searching his home. Dangerous lies. I mean, they're just dangerous, dangerous lies. Then let me let me follow up and ask you this. What's next for Judge Eileen Cannon? Are we about done with her? I mean, isn't there some ethics review that should be or is coming her way? Because if there isn't, like I said, there definitely should be. But if you would, break down how and why she's still on this case and what happened to the original judge in the Mar-a-Lago case. I'm referring to Judge Reinhardt. Yeah, look, Trump went uh, judge shopping, right? So he decided that the magistrate judge who signed off on the search warrant that allowed the FBI to go into Mar-a-Lago and search these documents was not the kind of judge he wanted overseeing his special master case. And so he looked around Florida and he was like, hmm, who did I appoint in the post-election period between November and when uh, I was uh, out of the White House in January? And he looked around and he found Judge Aileen Cannon. She's a Trump appointee. She's very concerned. And he was like, you know, this is the perfect judge to whom I'm going to bring this case. And this was an issue at the time, if you remember, because even Judge Cannon was like, well, why do I have jurisdiction to look at this case? You know, this is all being done by Judge Reinhardt in West Palm Beach. Anyway, she took on the case, even though it was outside of a jurisdiction, and she's been handing down these rulings that kind of was so extraordinary and gave so much deference to Trump as a former president that even the 11th Circuit and, you know, Trump to a panel of three judges, two of whom he appointed. Even the, the highly conservative 11th Circuit decided that Judge Cannon's rulings were so beyond the pale and so not rooted in kind of case law and jurisprudence that they really slapped down, you know, parts of her order. And when they gave the DOJ access to, or, you know, gave them back access to the 100 or so classified documents because DOJ was so appalled at how the case was going and how Judge Cannon was ruling, they really addressed some of the arguments and some of the basis on which Judge Cannon was making her decisions and they really slapped it down I think that was as big as a rebuke as you're going to get I don't know uh, where this goes next. I mean, Judge Cannon's going to be overseeing this case now, at least until through mid-December, which is now the final deadline for the special master review. She, you know, within the last hour, actually just extended that deadline to, I think it's December 16, the final, final date the review has to be completed. And so we're going to see a lot more of her. And remember, after all of this is done and the special master gives his recommendations about potential privilege protections to Judge Cannon, Trump can still appeal. And so let's see where that goes. Oh, and you know that he's going to. You know why? Because the appeal 
is a delay, delay, delay tactic. My favorite line came out of actually the Daily Beast when they wrote in their headline, Judge Cannon's latest Mar-a-Lago ruling just got bench slapped. I thought it was a very cute, you know, play on words. Um, and the fact that, the, you know, the Circuit Court of Appeals, as they wrote, took a sledgehammer to the Trump-appointed judge's misreading of the law. That's a hell of a statement to say about a federal court judge. And what it does is something I talk about in the book. I have a fundamental problem, and I think everybody should as well, that these federal court judges have lifetime appointments. And I feel exactly the same way when it comes to the Supreme Court. You know, you now have, I don't know, what is it, four or five individuals on that Supreme Court that are in their, you know, early 50s. This is a real problem because if any of them behave in the same manner that Judge Cannon did, right, like um, and Amy Comey Barrett, for example, this is a real problem for American democracy. It's a real problem for our constitutional rights because we've already seen, you know, their behavior and uh, their actions in the over.